This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Please take your Bibles. Job chapter 1. He is with us every step, come what may, and each step leads closer home. Well, great reminders as we step into this important book this morning. Job chapter 1. When trouble or tragedy come into a person's life, onlookers are quick to form opinions. We're all guilty of that, right? Cause and effect. Why did that happen? And so on. We'll see that Job's friends were quick to form their opinions about his devastating circumstances. Those who don't know God or his ways often look on the calamity of another and they think this, well, he's unlucky or she's a good person. This isn't fair. Christians who know their Bibles may wonder, is God chastening for some sin? Now, we're cautious about that because the disciples thought that way, and the Lord rebuked them and said, no, their problems are not the result of sin, but that God would be glorified. And yet we also know from Revelation 3.19, James 5.14 and 15, other passages, that who the Lord loves, He does chasten. He does. And so if we get away from the Lord, he's a perfect father, and he will discipline us back because our straying is dangerous and deadly. We all should thank God for his working in our lives. But we need to think that God is also allowing a trial to grow us to the image of Christ. In fact, 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, and I give it to you so that we can see it together. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, all right, difficult trials, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, no one likes to get burnt, it hurts. And yes, sometimes the Lord does use the, the trial, the fire of affliction, <laughs> to refine us, okay? That we might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now, what believers struggle with, uh, with is when another's, another saint's life seems to be unraveling, though they have an exceptional testimony for God. I struggle with that, I'll just be honest. Someone who's walking with the Lord, being faithful, godly testimony, and all of a sudden things come apart. And that probably for me creates the biggest question in my mind. And so the book of Job teaches the last theme that we considered in the previous message in Job, and that's this. Those who suffer are sometimes godly saints. 
And God is not obligated to reveal his purpose with his children who suffer. Don't we think we have a right to know? My flesh thinks that. Well, this is happening to me, my life. I, I should know. God's not obligated to tell me what he's doing. In fact, Many times he won't show me because he simply wants me to believe him for who he is and what he said. Although God is always doing good on behalf of his children, he is working out far greater purposes than his people can see. I would remind us that what's happening in this universe is far greater than what's happening right here on earth. Now, that was not a confession that I believe there are aliens. I don't. Though I've shopped in some places where I've wondered, okay? But, no, there, there are not aliens. And we're spending millions and billions of dollars to try to find them. Can I, can I just be blunt with you? Satan has to have a reason why he knows, and we know in the future, millions of people are going to disappear from this planet. He's got to have a reason. And so aliens works. Area 51. All right. But the reality is, God's focus is here. Jesus died because he loved the world. But here's, here's the other reality. There, we, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers the rulers of the darkness of this world, but spiritual wickedness in high places. Okay. And so our God is controlling all of that. I believe he's teaching lessons to angels and demons. And certainly that is true from the book of Job. So we need to see that all men are born unto trouble. Job 5.7 but godly and sometimes even very wealthy saints can be the special recipients of suffering. Their suffering is never random, but is carefully guided by the Father above. We learn this from the Scripture's explanation of Job's life before he was attacked. And that's what we're going to consider this morning. I've entitled our message, Job's Prelude to Calamity. The narrative begins by describing the kind of man that Job was. Notice chapter 1 and verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz. Now, where is Uz? Not Oz, Uz. Okay, where is it? One commentator mentions this. Others agree with him. The country he lived in, was the land of Uz in the eastern part of Arabia. I'll give you a map uh, where uh, they believe it was. They found ruins there. It was towards Chaldea, uh, the land of Babylon, that area there, near the Euphrates, probably not far from Ur of the Chaldees. And of course, that's the place where Abraham was called from. According to 1 Chronicles 1.17, and then also in verse 27, 1 Chronicles 1, 17 and 27, Uz and later Abraham, there was actually a man named Uz, and then Abraham, were descendants of Noah's sons Shem. Thus, 
They were close in proximity to where uh, each other lived. And what we know as the desert of Arabia, uh, geologists, archaeologists, and, and Bible scholars believe that at one time that was not all desert. In fact, that was inhabitable plain, and instead of having to go around uh, what we now know as the Fertile Crescent, they actually went right across uh, from each other. And you, and you need to uh, know that uh, in Transjordan today, where the Moabites, the, the Ammonites lived, the Edomites, that there was probably the ability to cross over that desert without being a harm to yourself, uh, to go back and forth to uh, the Tigris-Euphrates uh, Valley. Centuries later, the region seems to have spread west across the desert into the land of Eden, Edom, inhabited by Esau's descendants. So this land where Esau lived, the Edomites, is referenced in Lamentations 4 and verse 21. Here's what it says. The daughter of Eden, Edom, that dwelleth in the land of Uz. All right. That was the area where this man, Job, lived. Now, what do we know about him? Go back to verse 1. His name was Job. What does that name mean? Well, Bible names are significant. His name meant to return. To return. And his life was a testimony of his name. He returned favor to the Lord, and that he, notice the text, was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Now let's take a look at these words. He returned favor to the Lord. How did he do it? He was perfect, means undefiled, upright, to do right consistently. And then he feared God. He reverenced God, felt God was so important and so worthy that he lived a life that was undefiled and where he consistently did the right thing, pleasing the Lord. Uh, as we move on here in the text, he eschewed evil. He turned away from sin each time he was around it. And so it's no wonder that had the attention of God. God sees everything. He's, everybody is in his, uh, in his view. Okay? But it's no wonder as well that the archenemy Satan also saw Job because he was like this, and therefore a target. Now realize that this is God's assessment of Job's life. In fact, God will rehearse this testimony in the ears of Satan two times. Chapter 1, verse 8, chapter 2, and verse 3. Later in our study, we'll see how Job lived up to his name by returning favor to his fellow man. And the Holy Spirit allows Job to say this about himself. This was his testimony. Would you hold your place and go to chapter 29? Job 29, and notice his testimony beginning in verse 11. When the ear heard me, when it blessed me, then it blessed me. So when someone heard that name, Job, oh, Job, guy's a blessing. All right, they blessed 
his name. And when the eye saw me, it gave witness to me, because I delivered the poor that cried and the fatherless and him uh, that had none to help him. The blessing of him that was ready to perish came upon me, and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on righteousness, and it clothed me. My judgment was as a robe and a diadem. I was eyes to the blind, feet I was to the lame. I was a father to the poor, and the cause which I knew not, I searched out. Watch this. And I break the jaws of the wicked. Well, he was serious about this life he was living. And pluck the spoil out of his teeth. All right, there you go. What a testimony this man had. Now, along with a good name, Job had a gracious family in the sense of showing divine grace. God's working in their lives was demonstrated by his family. Verse 2, And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. Now, we'll learn in verse 4, that they were gracious to each other. Along with a good name, a gracious family, we learn Job had great material wealth. Verse 3, his substance. And that Hebrew word literally means his livestock. All right, so this rancher, listen to what he had. Had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 uh, she-asses, and a very great household. That's just talking about his estate. Now think about this guy's ranch. If they had drones back then, and they didn't, but a drone going on, you just, you saw livestock everywhere. Well, we must be close to Job's place. Look at all of this. And this text goes on to, this way, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. Now, we have political figures who have name notoriety, sports figures who have name notoriety, but when you hear names like Gates and others, what do you think? Wealth, lots of it. Well, in Job's time, when his name was mentioned, that is also what came to people's minds. Now, what we have just learned of Job, the entire region where he lived, this is what they already knew. His estate exceeded that of kings and princes, and most likely anyone who was someone knew of his devotion to God. It's wonderful when God blesses someone with wealth, but when you hear of their wealth, you don't think about their wealth, you think about their God. Because that's what's most important to them. That was Job. Whatever happens to Job in the days ahead will cause everyone's ears to burn, the Bible tells us. There will be spiritual lessons for everyone to learn. Why? Because God had given him a name and a testimony. By the way, with whatever God has given you, it is not so that you can have more fun and an easier life. 
Now you can enjoy those things, but God has given those things to you because He intends for you to use it to glorify Him. What a, what a testimony Job had. And God used it to have the attention of the entire region on this man, so when God's about to work on this man, the entire region gets to learn about God. And oh, no, by the way, and generations, millennia of believers get to learn about God. Now this portion of Job ends by showing us Job the leader as it connects his gracious family with the godly influence of their father. Look at verse 4. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one, each son, his day. Now what's that talking about? Well, Hebrew scholars believe this is talking about this is the day of their birthday. They celebrated birthdays. This is a, these were birthday parties, okay? And so they invited the family over for the birthday party and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and drink with them. Now, why are the sisters mentioned here? Well, not only just who was invited to the gathering, but the inclusion of sisters shows, first, there was no corruption or raucous partying. The sisters are there. And these men were not influenced by Eastern norms. And even back then, what were the Eastern norms? Women are property, they're not really people. Not in godly homes, it's not that way. And it wasn't that way in Job's home. So they weren't influenced by Eastern norms related to the status of women. This is a picture of unity, genuine love, and the enjoyment of God's blessing. And these are just the benefits of knowing the Lord. This is what our families ought to be enjoying together. This describes the atmosphere of what every God-honoring home should be. I also believe the Holy Spirit wants us to see here this. The influence of dad, of Job, and then his insurance. Providing protection against a possible eventuality. So again, his influence and his insurance. And if you're a dad and you're conscious right now, I'm going to ask you to join me in locking into what this text is saying. I have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to be like Job. I'm not talking about, okay, that's why I'm working so hard, because we need to be wealthy. That's not what the text is showing us. Who gave Job his blessing? God did. God made him great. And by the way, God will supply your needs as well. But as dad, you need to be focused on this dad, his influence, his insurance to his family. And oh, by the way, we're not talking about children that are this big. We're talking about children that are this big. These are adult children who have their own homes. Now, Job's relationship with God set the spiritual thermostat, let's say it that way, the thermostat for his home and carried over to his children's homes. Again, these are adult, adult children. 
But how did his leadership help provide insurance? Look at verse 5. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons, notice who he's focused on here, not so much the daughters, but my sons, his leadership concern here, have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job, what's the next word? Continually. This goes back to what we learned earlier of him, that his habit was to be a godly man who eschewed evil. This was his, what he did continually, literally is what he did all of his days. That's the record of Scripture. So in his day, Job was officially, or officiating, I should say, as priest and intercessor for his family. Dads, that's... What God's called us to be. Now, we're not intercessors. In the, there's only one intercessor between God and man. That's the man, Christ Jesus. But you should be interceding to God before the throne of grace for your children, regardless of their age. I pray for my kids every day. And most of them are grown and out. Some of them have grown have gone out and have come back, and that's okay too. I love my daughters. The boys need to just stay. They, they okay. They, but the daughters can come back, unless they're married. All right. But the point is, I intercede for my, my family. So as such, Job was concerned that his grown children had sinned by cursing God in their hearts. Now this is interesting. Follow closely. The word means either to curse God by offering blessings of worship to false gods. It could mean that, but there's nothing in the text to indicate that that's what it was. But it can also mean that they were so engrossed in the feasting that they took, put God out of their thinking. And the context indicates that the second meaning was what Job was fearful about. Having such a good time doing good things that they just put God out of their minds for a little bit, and in Job's mind, that was akin to cursing God. Wow. How often during the day do you just let God slip out of your mind? Job considered that a real danger, a danger that could lead to other unfaithfulness. So Job was concerned that the blessing of God would distract his offspring from remembering and worshiping the source of those blessings. That was his concern. In Job's mind, this was akin to turning from God altogether. Job wanted to provide protection from the possibility that his children had taken their minds off of the Lord. Spurgeon, in commenting on this text, said, I fear that too few parents are as careful as Job was in this matter. And we are. In fact, we pay big bucks for electronics 
that helped to push God out of everybody's mind. It's true. It is true. Not that what they're viewing is wrong, but it sure can be distracting. Scripture doesn't teach that parents can confess their children's sins to God, but we can certainly remind our children to keep their minds on God when enjoying His bounty, and we need to pray to that end. Certainly, Job's kids knew what he was doing each time that they feasted together. And I think that was a protection too. Now, we've got to to do right here as we're having this birthday party because if we don't do right, Dad's going to take it to God. And I think they worked hard not so that Dad didn't have anything to take to God. So this is the prelude to the dramatic events that would shape Job's life. This wonderful family, godly leadership, it is about to implode. As his name declares, he was a man who returned to God righteousness and reverence. To his neighbor's generous care, to his children, the spiritual leadership and example of intercession that they needed And this is what he did all of his days. He was known throughout the land and will soon learn that he was the attraction of not only those in the land, but those, but someone in the heavens. We will soon learn that this is the true character of a man. How he responds to what is about to happen. A man who can love God when he cannot see what is happening. That's what we need to be, dads, men. A man who will continue to trust God even in the darkness. And ladies, God wants that from you too. Looking forward to when we get to Job's wife. I'm going to have a different perspective on Mrs. Job. But I believe it's the biblical perspective on her. So right now, you are living the prelude of whatever is coming next in your life. I don't wish any trouble on you. But you right now are living the prelude of what is about to happen, and what you are is already determining how you're going to respond. Okay, I think we need the book of Job. Do you know God like Job knew his God? And are you worshiping and obeying him with the same careful devotion? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the example of this man. Thank you for showing us that he had the things that the world likes to live for. But he was a wise man who feared God so that he was still able to live even when those things were taken away. And Lord, would you work in every one of our hearts, but especially as parents. Lord, there's a lie permeating societies 
that at a certain age, young people are no longer accountable to their parents. While that's true when it comes to obedience, it is not true when it comes to reverence or to the responsibility parents have to continue to gently, lovingly encourage their children, even their adult children, in their spiritual walk. And so, Lord, this morning, would you help us, as dads especially and as moms, to commit ourselves to that kind of influence, that kind of intercession. Lord, would you help the dads here to become the insurance to their families that is needed. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm not going to ask the instruments to play this morning, just in the quiet of our time here together. Dads, how has God spoken to you? Job did not have the benefit of God's word to know all the nuances of pleasing God that we know today. And yet, he was a godly, upright man who eschewed evil. The difference is you and I have the Bible. We know God. We're so blessed to know him through Scripture. But what you know about your God, are you pleasing him as the leader of your home? If there's an area where you have disobeyed or maybe you've just wandered from him altogether, would you make that right with the Lord today? I'm speaking to you dads. Moms, you have a part in that too. You need to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Would you respond to him, whatever God's saying to you this morning? Maybe there are some adult children. You've had Christian parents and they've tried to influence you. They've tried to help you. And you've shut them down. You don't, you're, you're whatever you think you are, and you don't need to listen anymore. I think Job's life and his children challenge that. They're trying to point you to God. You need to listen. Truth is truth, and God is the source of truth. Maybe there are some things you need to get right with the Lord and that you need to get right with your parents because they try to encourage you spiritually, and you, you didn't have time for that. Did you make that right with the Lord right now? And above all, would you just start listening to God again if you've not been? Now, Father, you see hearts today, and as we prepare for your table, I pray that we'll make those things right so that we can come to your table. Would you bless our worship there? Lord, thank you that through your word, you give us all things that pertain how to live a godly life, live righteously, and also handle trouble. In Jesus' name, amen. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241.
we encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and God's Word has had an impact on your life, as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.